Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with lawyer, comedian, podcaster, and transformational coach, Rachel Birch. As host of the chart-topping podcast, Love Before 100, Rachel chronicles her journey to find love while making her way down a dating scavenger hunt bucket list. Rachel hopes to help others feel less lonely while dating by taking her audience along on her hilarious and cringy quest to find love. As a homebody in her 40s who's never actually dated before, Rachel makes the list to force herself out of her house and out of her comfort zone. She lives with her two boys in Orange County, California, where she enjoys long walks on the beach and short commutes on PCH. She's obsessed with personal growth, all things woo, and healthy living. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Where are you located? I'm in um, Newport Beach, California. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I love California. Yes, yeah. me too. I mean, I'm landlocked here in Kansas City, so we have no you know mountains or oceans, so it's always nice to get out you know, on the coast. So, um but it's great to meet you. And, you know, before we, you have a very interesting collection. I mean, you got lawyer, you got comedian, podcaster, and coach. So yeah. let, let's find out how we got to the nexus of that very interesting intersection of things. Okay. And, and to do that, I want to begin with COVID. The last three years, how did you survive it? And how did it change the way that you do things now? Um, I survived it. Well, I think the only way it impacted me was that my ex-husband moved in and um, lived with me and our two boys in a very uh, small for California, or maybe not small for California, but um, small home together for, I think, like 10 months. And that actually provided a lot of healing for us. Um, And so... Uh, I guess I hate to say that COVID impacted me positively, but um, as a coach, as no longer an attorney and kind of in that realm, I do try to frame things in the positive. So, I, I mean, I would say it impact my, my business was uh, has always been since I left the law work from home. So that didn't impact me. My business actually grew. Um, during that time. And I was able to help people go through it. And I had just concluded a big group program. And I felt like we had done everything to prepare them mentally for, you know, what was coming. And so, yeah, I, um, you know, I caught it, I caught it early. Um, My mom used to say, although I try to get her not to say like, no, no good deed goes unpunished. Um, And I got it for my ex-husband who had moved in and was like staying on the couch. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, it was interesting to see people's responses and reactions. Um, I definitely learned a lot about human nature and how, because we got it early, how people kind of reacted. Um, so yeah, I would say I learned a lot about life and um, humans from it. Yeah. And I think there's a level of buyer's remorse that goes into this. People do, a lot of people do say there were silver linings and it's like, well, I feel bad about it or I don't want to take away from what's going on. And I think we're at a point now we've been in this post pandemic era long enough. I think it's safe to do that, but I still, I understand. I mean, there's so much woe that went into it, but I mean, it had a monopoly on us. You had a choice to make. You could either sink or swim. I mean, that's really kind of the choice. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, 
I don't really go into this very often, um, but as a attorney, kind of as trained in more of like a um, deeper thinking and evidence based kind of thing, um, you know, I had a lot of, and I I do in every area of my life. I have a lot of hesitation to buy into anything wholeheartedly until I see how things play out, and I know that that was um, also a very polarizing kind of situation. It's like, well, are you going to be selfish and not, you know, do what everybody else is doing? Or are you going to follow some of the breadcrumbs that seem like maybe, you know, this, maybe we don't, maybe, maybe someone that's not showing signs isn't as scary as we think, you know, and it's still, still up for debate. So I feel like um, I learned a lot about myself and how I, and I got a lot of trust in myself too, through this process as well. Yeah. So yeah, but I, but I do know how very serious it was and how many people did not, you know, have that. Uh, I, there's no part of me that thinks um, that there wasn't a lot of misery and awful things that, you know, some could have been avoided and some um, were part of the virus. So yeah, yeah definitely sure. complicated. Issue. It was. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's get to the heart and soul of what you do on a daily basis. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders, career okay. day. Okay? okay. One of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? You know, it's funny because I feel like that dating right now, I am in front of a bunch of third graders trying to explain <laughs> what I'm doing. And I'm one of those third graders because right. it was very easy for me to say I'm a lawyer. In fact, the ego part of me was like any chance I got, it would be like, I'm a lawyer. Yeah. I'm a, you know, I And then I transitioned out of that into um, coaching kind of accidentally and sort of through necessity. And so then it, there was actually some... I don't know that shame is the right word, but like a little, I was a little timid to say I'm a life coach, you know, um, it felt we, until I started getting amazing results for my clients, it was hard to really like own that. And then, um, once I started doing stand up comedy more as like a hobby again, until I had the success, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I do that sometimes. And now, you know, I've, I've won a competition and I've been in a, in a sitcom pilot and I've had success in that area. I yeah. get paid to, to do my comedy. Um, and I have great feedback. So, you know, I, I feel again able to say that I do comedy. So if I'm in front of, oh, so the last part is as I've transitioned lately into podcasting as kind of my main, uh, career choice. When I go on a date or when I'm on a dating app and someone says like, well, what do you do for a living? Um, I kind of fumble around a little bit with trying to explain because I'm a little bit in the transition of I'm part writer. You know, my, my podcast is a story. And so I yeah. write everything out and then I record it. And so basically, and I wouldn't say this to a third grader, but I've created my own, in my mind, kind of genre of comedy, which is um, inspirational comedy. I know there's transformational comedy. My goal is to take comedy and personal development and put it into a story form that yeah. I tell through podcasting about dating um, and impact people and hopefully get them to go outside their comfort zone and, you know, go live this epic life that we yeah. have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always difficult, you know, because there's you, when you have a day job and I'm I'm in that boat, but I do the podcast thing, you know, and and there's other things that go into all of that. And it's like you just can't hammer it down to one thing. Um of all of these things that you do, what do you think is the hardest? Being a lawyer, 
being a comedian, being a writer, or being a podcaster? Um, definitely being a writer. Yeah. The discipline that's required. Um, lately, you know, I've reread the book, The Artist's Way, and she talks about waking up and doing morning pages every day. And so I've been waking up at 530 so that I can do it before. If I have the boys or don't have the boys, I wake up, I write three pan, three pages of freehand. That's been, you know, a challenge for me, this kind of discipline. But the hardest part is the, the critic that in me, I know, I know I'm good at lawyering. I know I'm good at comedy. It took a while, but I got there to the point where I built my, my confidence. I know I'm good at, at podcasting. Um, I've been told these things, but writing is, I'm just, it's just me. And I sit there and I go, well, this is crap. Like, this is terrible. Like who wants to hear this, you know? And, and that's why I write like 10 drafts of something. And so this whole letting myself be a beginner, which is really where I am in this kind of writer, um, process is, is the hardest for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So if when you were in the third grade, what did you want to be when you grew up? A lawyer. Okay. So you lived the dream. Yeah. (laughs) So let's go back to your childhood. You know, you're obviously highly motivated. You've picked some very difficult things, things that are probably noteworthy of the most fearful professions and or things to do next to jumping out of an airplane. So tell me where you were born and raised and how these seeds got into you. How did these notions become who you are today? It's so funny because I I don't think of myself as a brave person at all. People will say to me, like, you're so bold. I have jumped out of an airplane, too. Oh, there you go. See? (laughs) But it's, you know, it's it's kind of like I'm very growth oriented. And I don't know where that came from. Actually, I think it came from not feeling like I was good enough in my childhood, like really being very self-conscious of my looks, my body, my upbringing. You know, we were one of the, like, three Jewish families in Newport Beach. So I just always felt less than and I felt um like I should be different than I was. And so um the path to that was always to choose the harder choice, I guess. I mean, the lawyer thing, my dad was a lawyer. We watched Matlock together. I was like, this set looks fun, which it was not. Like spoiler <laughs> alert, it was yeah, not. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> um so that didn't seem hard to me, especially because it was like my dad did it and I loved him. And he was, you know, it was just kind of like, I could do that. The comedy thing, um, I was voted best sense of humor in high school and I was really shocked. I was so shy. I was kind of like, wow, how do people know me? And they know that I'm funny. Um, so that gave me a little boost of confidence. Um, and then coaching is kind of an offshoot of, uh, being a counselor and being a lawyer and, I used to say that my love language was unsolicited advice. You know, I was like constantly just wanted better for other people. I could see their potential and I believed in them and I just wanted them to have the same thing. So it made sense to kind of do that um, as a living. I started as a health coach and talking about like tail and legumes and all that kind of stuff is fine. It's a, you know, it's an interest of mine, but when people were leaving jobs that they hated and changing their life, that's when I got really excited. So, um, it kind that kind of, you know, came naturally as a desire to help people. And the podcast, I had a previous podcast all about personal development. I never intended to share about dating, you know, I'm, 
in the past, before the podcast, I'm a very private person. I don't share a lot of details. Um, but in the podcast, I do for some reason, I really feel like the universe, God source, like put this on my plate for some reason. And, um, so, you know, how do you say no to that? Yeah. Well, and that would garner a huge audience. I remember there was an alternative magazine here in Kansas City called The Pitch, and they used to always have this advice love line, or there would be these things where people just randomly would see people in the grocery store or out and about and would put personals in. And that's what fueled it. That Those are the sections of the, the magazine. So yeah, at the end of the day, as hard as it is to personalize that, it probably garners a huge amount of traffic. Yeah. Yeah. We were top one and a half percent of podcasts globally. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So who's been a hero for you in your life? Um, Well, besides my dad, uh, he's been a huge hero for me. Um, Gosh, uh, my grandparents, definitely uh, on my all four of them, actually. But and three of them survived um, genocide attempts. So I feel like the kind of um, keep going perseverance gene is built in. Um, again, I never really saw it for myself. I always looked up, especially to my grandma, who uh, was in, in the Holocaust. Her whole family was killed. And she ended up being, because she had blonde hair and blue eyes, uh, someone that saved a lot of people. They yeah. went through the sewer system to escape and, you know, she wasn't afraid or she probably was afraid. I mean, I'm sure we do it in spite of the fear, not, you know, without the fear. So um, rumor has it, she may have saved my grandpa. They met in the forest actually where they were like hiding for a year. So I feel like um, my family has served as a really, I didn't re- again, realize it at the time, but looking back, I just feel like they're, they've, been a big source of inspiration for me. So, you know, you're talking about having a podcast about dating and all these things, and we all get these notions early on in our lives, whether they're crushes or people that are ideal, whether it's in Hollywood or otherwise. What was that person for you growing up that you looked at, not only from like a look standpoint, but from a personality standpoint and thought, man, I would love to be with that person? (laughs) Huey Lewis. (laughs) Really? I had a post of him and Madonna on my wall. And, okay. Um, it's Huey Lewis. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my best friend growing up, his name was Bill. I remember he had that poster, um, the, uh, the, the big one where they were playing pool in the hall. Um, oh, yeah. What was the name of that album? Um, it seemed like it was the news know. or something. It was, yeah. I mean, they were, they were the news, but it seemed like that was it. Anyway, that's interesting. Um, so let's take that just a bit further. If you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and have them on your podcast or talk to them or be around them for a little bit, who would it be? Well, at first I was going to say Tony Robbins because I feel like, you know, he's very inspirational. But I do have like a dream manifesting bucket list podcast. And it's actually Michael Singer who wrote The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment. Um, And I think I actually will. I'm just going to manifest it happening and having it come because I talk about the, those concepts so much, this kind of spirituality principle that kind of snuck up on me. Um, being an attorney, I was very like skeptical, always, always looked at like the worst possible pessimistic um, opportunity that could happen to plan. 
And um, slowly I became an optimist and then layering on the spirituality piece has been so huge for me, just trusting that the universe has my back and that everything's working out how it's supposed to. And so I feel like being around him in his like anchored belief in all that, the surrender experiment was huge for me. I'd listen to it on my walks and I would cry every time the universe would show up. I'm just like, God, this is so magical. You know, this could happen. So, and, um, and I've been teaching, you know, my boys, the same, uh, principles, you know, my son, they're 14 and and seven and they get some of the principles. And my 14 year old has a little, obviously more resistance to it. And he's like me, he's a cynic, but, um, it's, it's fun. I just feel like I want to plant some of these things in them and myself even more, you know, early. So, so the cornerstone of being a coach is optimism and motivating, And you've obviously been doing a lot of those things in your life. But what is the ultimate motivator? What gets you out of bed every day? What gets you to accomplish what you want to get done? This is something I struggle with. I actually go through a lot. And I talked about this on my podcast in one of the episodes. Like I have seasons of like depression and anxiety where like I don't want to do anything. And so I have to kind of honor those and like go through those And then like today I'm in like, oh my God, this is the most amazing day kind of um, mood. And so I've really learned to honor my cycles and like show up for myself when my energy is there. So like today, what got me out of bed was I was like, okay, I have this podcast interview. There's two concerts that I want to go to. They're both going on sale at 10 a.m. I am going to get tickets to both of them. I don't care what happens. (laughs) Um, And I did. And it's kind of this like, Epic life, right? Yeah. Like these life is meant to be lived. I mean, that's one of the things that really kind of came out of COVID. Say yes to opportunities. So yeah. um, traveling, spending time with my girlfriends, with my boys, my family, making sure that my life is filled with these epic moments um, is what really gets me out of bed. And then all these things are kind of a vehicle towards that. So what, what's been one of the best client success stories you've been involved with, whether it involves being an attorney, whether it involves your podcast or coaching, what's one of those stories that always puts a smile on your face? Um, oh, there's, there's a lot, but That's I think good. I'm trying to decide between two of my coaching clients. I think, um, I think the one that I like the most is I have a client who, uh, we worked together for a long time. We were friends as well. And, I could tell that she wasn't really motivated in what she was doing. And she came to me and scheduled a session because of that. And I was like, you got to get back to like why you're doing it. Kind of like you were talking about, like what's the motivation behind it. And she was talking about, and actually I, the other client that I was thinking of, it was the same exact scenario. Both of them had a two year plan. And I was like, we're not waiting two years. Let's do it now. Like, let's just do it now. Let's collapse two years into two weeks. Like, let's just do it now. And again, both one client quit her job and it changed her life. And then this client was looking at property. She said she always wanted to buy um, property in in like wine country up, you know, by us. And so I was like, I want you to do it now, you know? And so we, within a couple of weeks, she was in escrow on a property up there, which they totally transformed increased in value like crazy right now she rents it out and makes so much money it's it's a form of income for her now instead of what it was she hosts retreats there 
doing that had opened up so many doors for her and in her mind, what she was capable of. I think that's the thing I love so much when we do something scary, like do stand up comedy, buy a ranch, whatever it is, it opens up doors in your mind that you can do hard things and it gets you to do other bigger, hard things. So, you know, her whole life transformed and, um, I love watching that because it inspires me back. I like working with people that inspire me back. Yeah, it's symbiotic for sure. So of all the things that you've overcome, done, accomplished in your life, what are you the proudest of? Um, I think uh, turning my life around after my divorce, definitely. Um, and, and doing it for not only me, but my boys. Uh, we are... I'm I'm happier than I've ever like been in my whole life. I'm um, probably besides maybe my twenties, like fitter than I've ever been in my whole life. I care so much less about what people think. Yesterday, I bought this hat from this comedian. It says I'm single, and yesterday I just wore it out, like just for fun. It was kind of like I I don't care, you know, Um, which is so freeing. So. The whole transformation of being very self-conscious and very low in self-esteem to just being like, this is me, take yeah. it or leave. It doesn't matter, you know, if you like it or not. Like you and I'll like me and, and we'll be fine, you know? Yeah, for sure. So speaking of your 20s, if you have a dream tonight, you run into that version of you and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point. What would you tell that young version of you? Um, well, I always love, and this is what I teach my boys, um, the affirmation, everything is always working out for me. Everything is always working out for me. When you come up to something, you don't get that job you want, that relationship, whatever it is, it is for your best good. One of the things that I fear the most is feeling disappointed. It's such a weird thing, but I just like hate the feeling of disappointment. And so when I put that everything's always working out for me kind of blanket over things, Um, there's a, there's a trust factor. Um, there's an ease, you know, there's so much peace that comes in. Uh, I mean, obviously I would tell myself you're better than you think you are, you know, like nobody's thinking about you as much as you are. So you don't need to worry. I, you know, definitely would also stress not to worry so much what other people think, but the, the kind of hack, the shorthand that is always my, you know, party favor is everything's always working out for me. So who's your favorite comedian? Um, I would say Bill Burr. Yeah, me too. Bill's Bill's the king. Um, yeah. What's your favorite piece of, of writing that you've ever penned? Um, I wrote a one woman show, uh, which has never been, I think I sent it to, I sent it to one guy that I went on a date with. And, and so I think besides him, it's only me and him have read it. But it's basically the myth of this and um, how we, many of us seek to be special, but in doing that, we're really giving our power away because special is special to who, you know, it's always somebody outside of ourselves. And so it's this um, one woman show with five scenes and it's basically putting specialness um, on trial. So there's like a judge, there's a prosecutor all played, you know, by one character and uh, writing that really eliminated the need to feel special um, for me. So it was very like healing kind of thing. 
Yeah. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, all these different incarnations, podcast hosts, when you were an attorney, um, comedian, but ultimately you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Um, it's interesting because I've been getting a lot of messages from friends lately that listened to my episode where I talked about depression and they're like, God, you always seem like you have it, everything all figured out and so together. And that is not my perception of me at all. I'm like, me? No, I do not have it figured out. Um, I feel very, uh, kind of, um, like a young, in the sense of immature almost a little bit in some of how I look at life, naive, maybe. Um, yes, I have, you know, the lawyer part and I have these other things, but like my, my soul wants to believe in like the good and romantic comedies and that, you know, everybody has something good that, that kind of optimist. So that's my, my soul. And then there's like the layered on it skeptic to kind mm-hmm. of pr- protect her. Um, and that's why I don't have it all going on because they are polar opposites and they're constantly telling me how the world works and, uh, it's confusing. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's how, that's my perception of myself. So just, just to give you a quick story about talking about meeting that ultimate person that you want to meet, I'm 50, well, I'll be 51, but I, when I was in high school, my favorite hero of all was the pitcher Dwight Gooden. And I always wondered how I could get in touch with them. And there's certain people that you just can't touch. They they just don't have agents. They don't have a website. So they had in Kansas City, we have the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And they since the pandemic, they used to have this thing called the Hall of Game, which was kind of their Hall of Fame. Well, he was here and I got press passes and I went and I actually met him and got to interview him for a minute. And I'm still blown away. Like I and my son was there and I told him because I was kind of in this euphoria. I said, Whatever you do while I'm doing this, you just snap as many photos and videos you can. So he only did like one of each, but it was really, really cool. So I, it's funny how in life, you know, I just never thought that I would get to that point and how those things can kind of just life has its way of just kind of leading up to you, you know, so it can totally happen. You know, it's plausible. Um, So if anyone out there wants to see your comedy, listen to your podcast, get involved with anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? Um, So my podcast is everywhere that you listen to podcasts, wherever they're listening to your podcast, even YouTube. Um, It's called Love Before 100. Uh, It has an Instagram page. And then my personal one is the Rachel Birch. And I always respond to messages of people message me um if they want to see anything i haven't put out my latest comedy yet i'm trying to decide what to actually do with it um my old comedy's up and uh i i plan to do more of it so yeah cool rachel this has been great thank you for your story such an interesting you know lineage leading up to today so best of luck with everything i appreciate it thank you i appreciate you having me Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.